Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Sift Takers Snapshots podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ben Hibbert, and joining me as usual is Mr. Polly. Hello there. Are you excited to turn up this time? I did. <laughs> and we've got the uh, judge extraordinaire, Filippo. Hello, great to be here. Finally, a podcast invited me to talk about something. <laughs> we only want you for judge things, nothing else. <laughs> no, we don't, we, we don't talk about judge decisions on here. Not since the last time. <laughs> I, I was ready to talk about Hera for about like six hours. but No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think everybody else did that for you already. <laughs> and we've got arguably Ray's biggest fan. He'd have to fight Bob for it. Tom. Hi. I'm, I'm willing to fight for it. I'm ready. Greased up everything. I think you could beat Bobby's old now. And and also he stopped playing X-Wing about a year ago. So uh, He's coming back. He's coming back. He I've seen it in the chat and I cannot wait. He said, he said he's definitely coming back. Even if oh. he just comes for one and then we get drunk afterwards. That's the best bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Is there a different way to have X-Wing? Allegedly, uh, you can do well. Okay. But okay. I, I don't believe that's how it works. <laughs> so, um, can we... We're going to have a chat about the, um, fire, uh, the Firecast Fire Cup at weekend. And also we'll touch on the, uh, the XTC. And I imagine Tom will force Ray into there somehow. Into every <laughs> bit of the evening when I can, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a casual conversation about Ray and everything surrounding him. Okay. okay. We'll just, uh, oh, have you heard about this Django Fett? He's like, well, Django Fett reminds me of Ray because... <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you about the time I played Django uh, Zam in round blah 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 and I beat it by doing blah blah blah? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I'm prepared. Don't you worry. I've got <laughs> anecdotes, stats, stories, all of it. You got any <laughs> little crayon drawings that you can send us as well? I think you'll find that they're felt tip. Oh, have you got your pen license? I've upgraded. <laughs> Um, shall we shall we kick off with the uh, Firecast Cup then? Before we start okay. talking about stuff, I want to say one thing. We have got a long-term listener, first-time caller, Matt Coggins, turns 40 today, as in the day that this is released on Wednesday. So happy birthday to Matt. We're sorry happy that we birthday. didn't we're sorry that we didn't let you go better than one in five at the weekend. Um but that's not entirely our fault. But happy birthday. There you go. Yeah, happy birthday, Matt. I've done it. And thank you for introducing me to custom missiles on ZZ, because aside from Ray, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to start a tally. The things you discover. I know, I don't the fly tally anymore. <laughs> Is she better or worse than Ray? Who, tally? Yeah. Literally seven points worse on the scale. Huh. Okay, okay, I'll take that advice as <laughs> really solid. Oh, right, you, you totally knocked me off track there, made me laugh. Firecast Cup, Firecast Cup. Uh, no, I'm going to just give a, a little bit of a shout out to you, Rich, for being so prepared. I'm not used to this. You've had a what? birthday, you've organised some people to come on early. It's just not like you. Are you all right? Is there problems at home? <laughs> no, I just um, I was just like, there's so much like 
absence of content coming out from the organizers. So actually getting people on from the community to talk about things that they're passionate about is probably the best route to get stuff that's interesting for people to listen to, other than, you know, us going to play some games on TTS. It was kind of fun. I'm sad <laughs> because of COVID. I really want to play in person again and just do that for an hour once a week. That kind of gets a bit dull. So Yeah, but yeah. I got my dice out the other day and just rolled them about. It was fun. Did you? I I yeah. um I repacked my felt hair case last week. Oh. I took out the list that had been in there for literally fifteen months, put it all away, and put a different oh. list in. I can't remember what I put in. It was just something different. Um, but yeah, I got my spaceships out and moved them around. Didn't play with them. Just you know, looked at them a bit. So, yeah. It's both nice to do and really sad. I've done that three <laughs> times recently, and it's all things I've been playing on TTS. I haven't touched the real ships, but they're all packed. And then I change my list and I go, oh, I'll just, I'll just change my real ones. And then if I get a game, it's all ready to go. Yeah, but all so, you're doing is removing cluster missiles and putting in magpulse or removing magpulse and putting in false transponder codes or whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's not like true. a full repack. You've got Ray and you've got two A-wings and then you've got some cards and that's it. Yeah, but while you, do that, well. while you do that, there's a really melancholic music. <laughs> Here comes the minor chords. It's all being done in minor key. <laughs> See if the outro music can be something really mel- melan- mel- melancholy. Mel- well, hang on a minute. How come the, the Italian who's speaking in its second language can say melancholic without stumbling over it and I'm struggling? Oh, I don't know. Head's gone. Perhaps uh, swinging you back uh, Please now. refer to me as Dr. Pifo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she's insulting you. I can't hear what she's saying, but I hope she's insulting you. Perhaps swinging us back on, we're back on the fire cast. So, um, the fire cup. The fire cup. Oh, God. Um, anyway, <laughs> congratulations, Lukash Galonka. Um, for winning with uh, Liz Lucy. I will go into list in a minute, but he's a, he's obviously a very good player and you see his name in cuts and winning things quite a lot. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've heard I've heard at least one person that whose opinion I respect, but I can't remember which of the people it was, say that Lucas is probably one of the best five X Wing players in Europe. Um and it's a real surprise that he's not smashed out one of the really big tournaments um in person. <laughs> Um, well, just yet. also, Kalonka I mean, means he, kind, he kind of did. I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off. He kind of did because he won SOS Poland 17. He's that's that's so long ago. Does it even still yeah, count? That's that's 1.0. That was a different game. Yeah, but he... I remember when Ray had expertise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that Lucas had won um, at SOS Poland in 17, so, yeah. I think it was 17. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll take a correction. Um, you are probably right. Um, I didn't have a clue. That, that's before my um, obsessive tracking of who won what started. So. Ah, but no worries. I remember that just because I was there. Like, I took the weekend off to <laughs> fly to, to Poland and play. So. Did you play or did you get drunk? Uh, both. Oh, good. 
thanks to a few Scotsmen who were... Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. I don't know which one you were talking about. There's like, there's about, you know, 12 million of them or something. And I mean, they're pretty, pretty basically identical, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm betting Ed Holmes was involved. Oh, how did you guess? <laughs> because I've, I've got drunk with Ed before and I know what he's like. Me too. Possibly, possibly, he... we got, we got, possibly we got drunk together and we don't know that. <laughs> we we got drunk together in America, actually. Oh yes. Was that was that <laughs> when well, I got bloody bloody Marys? Maybe I can't remember. What? I know we got drunk somewhere. It was in a bar somewhere. I can't remember where. Minnesota. That, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Um, the night I got absolutely. Let's just say I can't remember getting home. Was Believe it was it the night was it the night you smashed a glass, Ben? No, no, that that was. I mean, that is a co- common thing for me. But they don't give you glasses. <laughs> <over there. laughs> they only give plastic cups. There's loads of plastic cups. It's because we phoned them and told them about you. <laughs> you know, I have a disease, and it's technically bullying. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself, Richard. It's on camera. Come on, Come on now, Ben. Keep us on topic. I am. I. How should we start? Should we just go through the the, the top eight lists rather than going through it all? Yeah, yeah. I I just want to like because he didn't make top eight. Um, just give a shout out to Chris Bankton who did go six and zero. Um, in Swiss, um, he got went top sixteen and then got knocked out. Um, so he was flying um, uh, Nash Windrider in an interceptor with uh, oh, three saber squadron aces with disciplined, and then fifth brother with passive sensors and homing missiles. Which I thought was an interesting take um, on the list. So, um, yeah, he got absolutely annihilated by Alessandro Mazzi in top sixteen. Um, it all just went Alessandro's way um, with his resistance jousting beef. Um, yeah, it was um, it was streamed that one, and it was um, it was like a, a masterclass in how to fly that that five ship resistance list. Um, the way that he um, he pulled it off was was quite phenomenal. Um, so yeah, so yeah, well done to Chris for getting six um, 0 and being king of Swiss. But the just, just Swiss. before we um, actually get into it, did you get any um, hard judge calls? Honestly, we didn't get any tough calls. Uh, there was one in a match actually where Alessandro was involved. I think it was either round one or two. Uh, but I, I don't know if I can define that like a tough call. It like we had to evaluate if a ship was flown off the board or not. Oh goodness! Yeah, I, but I mean, it was not tough, and they, they were not sure about it because the little nubs on the base they oh, yeah. seem to be outside. So any part of the base is outside, ship out of the board. So. Not, not much to do with that. It was more, you know, emotionally tough rather than rules-wise oh. tough. It's a, it's a weird one, that one, because nubs didn't used to count for being off the board. So you used to be able to set your ship up with the back nubs off the board. But then they removed the line or they changed the nubs ruling at one point that basically said that the only thing nubs yeah. don't count for is measuring arcs and range on shots. So there used to be like a, a non-exclusive list about what they counted for and what they didn't. And in the end, they just say they count for everything apart from measuring range. 
Exactly. The, they yeah. they switched the wording around a few times. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. much simpler now because there used to be a meme of do the nubs count, and genuinely nobody actually knew whether they did or not, depending <laughs> on what the situation was. Like, do the nubs count for this? Oh. <laughs> Legend sure. that, was, that was actually my eyes easy but was almost off the board there and we um, we had to call the judge because we went oh we'll just do the shot anyway because she's going to fly off next turn would she score any points and she absolutely murdered Bastion with the shot and that would have <laughs> scored me about 25 more MOV and so we were like okay we need to get a judge to find out if we should actually have done that that shot or not um, <laughs> and in the end I missed out on the, the painted T70 because I was only the second highest resistance player in Swiss by about 44 MOV, so it wouldn't have actually won it for me. So it was like, oh, thank God. Because that would have been <laughs> awful if it had. I've got, um, I, though it is worth saying that those painted T70s were provided by Jason from Enigma Wargaming, who is a Sith taker. Um, so <laughs> if uh, if anybody wants a beautifully painted spaceship, um, you can get to the back of the queue because he normally has about two months worth of commissions lined up. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. But Ben, and your entire fleet's painted by Jason, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff painted by Jason. <laughs> of increasing quality over time. Starts off yeah. good. Starts off good and end trends up to amazing. I, I think the my favourite is still the Spider-Man tugboat he did for me. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm going to start on these lists. Go on then. Get me chatting. So we, we this is actually the um, from the the stream game that me and Tim did. So it's Tommaso Landini. I'll get all the name wrong because I'm rubbish at him. No, no, no. So it, you you did good. You did good. Oh yes, that'll be my first and last one. Um, so we had Nom. With protons, auto blaster, Zam, Dengar, false transponders, uh, tactical scrammer, scrambler, uh, Paylob, Lando, hull upgrade, Moldy Crow, and then Forlom, elusive, advanced sensors, hull upgrade, mist hunter, and jamming beam. Um, <clears throat> it was actually quite an interesting list, but I feel like we didn't see it do its what it did well. Yeah, I mean he he had an interesting run, and he played a lot of very strong players um, and beat a lot of very strong players. So he beat um, Tharlin in round one. Um, he beat Connor Holmes um, in round four. Scrub, yeah. Eno, he beat Eno in round five. Um, and he beat Andrew Oler, who we'll come to later on, who made it to the final um, in round six. So, you know, he's not had an easy run um, with that list. And yeah, it's... Um, it obviously does something interesting. He ended up losing out in top eight to Lloyd um, yeah. Bowman from what, the 186th. Um, yeah. he, and he, he played was... a cracking game, though, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, uh, Tommaso's done a... Like, that. I, I don't understand how that list works at all. Like, <laughs> I'll fully admit it. It's like, I just look at it and be like, how is that even... It's got elusive in it. Everyone knows elusive's no good because yeah. it always re-rolls <laughs> into blanks and, you know, <laughs> what... It's like, like the Spanish Inquisition. It's like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects to see a forlorn on the table. So. <laughs> you used to oh, at the, at the start of the uh, second edition, didn't you? You see forlorn everywhere. Yeah, he was yeah. one of the four horsemen in Scum, wasn't he? And that advanced sensors plus Mist Hunter, which allows him to stop. Um, or like advanced sensors, a barrel roll into a stop, and then he gets a token anyway because he's done a red move. Um, is a is a really nice um, set of act, uh, 
set of like stuff just for Forlorn because he's brilliant for blocking. He's you know once he's in the combat, he just sits there um, as like a mobile turret and can be really really efficient. Um, and then you've got Paylob. Well, he's awful. I have to assume that Tommaso never met any Jedi um, because Paylob is just a, a floating bucket of points for a Jedi list, but there was hardly anybody playing Republic. Well, that, that payload's quite aggressive, because if you think about it, Moldy Crow's letting him stock up on focus tokens, and then Lando lets him spend a green token to re-roll, so if he's got loads of focus tokens, he's basically double-modded on his attacks. And yeah, if he cause... steals a token from you, it's either, is this a focus or an evade, or is it two re-rolls on my attack? It's quite a nice combo. Yeah, so he never needs to take target locks, basically. He's, um, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I see that. And then that Nom Lum with Zam plus Dengar is basically double tapping proton torpedoes or, you know, just like auto blasters and ordinary shots and whatever, because it's like, do you shoot it? Because if you shoot it, you're getting shot back with a highly modded shot. Um, yeah. It's, it's um... tough to decide a, you know, target priority against this list. I mean, maybe not the hardest one, but still, whoever you try to shoot down, the other two are going to pummel you with. Protons or double modded shots or uh, four dice, four red dice primary if you get if four long gets into range one. So yeah, it's, it's a tough cookie. It's a tough cookie to confront. And nothing dies quickly. That's the other thing about it. Four long probably dies faster than the other ones, but he's still got lots of hull and he's got the upgrade and he's got all the other stuff. So yeah, it's a really interesting list. Like that would batter me if I. If that was sat down across the table, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd probably just end up jousting right into the middle of it and just explode and be sad. I mean, you just bring jousting lists, so you'd be sad if you didn't do that. Yeah, that's because I'm crap with aces. Yeah, fairly admit it. Right, let's move on. So we've got some Tom Scrubsend or something. I can't read his name. It's Fieldstein, I think you'll find. I got him to Dio when I was on the GP at Gold Squadron screen. Fieldstein. I'll let you describe the list, because uh, you might know more about it than me. Oh, God. Right, okay. So um, it's 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 a Ray Wings variant. Um, <laughs> Lulo with Heroic, because Lulo literally doesn't need anything else other than that. That's why you bring him. Um, ZZ with Heroic, Advanced Optics, and Clusters, because her ability abuses Clusters immensely, and it means you can take on Swarms and Beef with a nice double-tapping A-Wing that people can't ignore. Um, and then 103 points worth of Ray, which is a lot of Ray, but she kills things and doesn't die. So she's got Finn and Rose for the ridiculous mods that her ability and, and their card text combined to give you. Um, the title and Corsella for lots and lots of stress relief. Um, a stealth device, which normally isn't great on a one agility ship, but when it's a ship that's now got two agility and adds a blank and it's forced tokens or evades, if you're in its front arc, it's quite good. Um, false transponders just to make sure that when she target locks you, you do die. Um, and heightened perception so that if Von Reg, for example, has a range of one shot into Lulo, you can go or you can die at initiative seven and then not shoot. <laughs> so it's quite nice. You've put quite a lot of thought into Ray, it's fair to say, haven't you, Tom? Yes. I think when she came out in, uh, in 1.0, I remember putting her on the table and going, oh my god, they've designed the ship that fits me like a glove. I'm not she's, quite sure what it is about her, but she just does. She's not as good now as she was in 1.0. Like in 1.0, she was just insane. Now she's yes. just not as good. She's still good, but she's not as good. So, I mean, the thing that interests me 
and we'll have maybe have a slight sidebar to talk let let Tom have his, his fifteen minutes to talk about Ray. Um is the um there's been a lot of people who've picked Ray up and done okay with Ray because you know there's some lists that you can just absolutely bully, like three ship lists, four ship lists. Ray can fly in, nuke something off the board, um, do whatever, you know, and then they can't get back ahead in the damage race because you start to win it. But it doesn't do well. Like you do okay with it, but you never do great. What is it that you think you do differently with how you fly Ray? So like the build is the build, you know, like there's some upgrades. There's some there's a core set of ray upgrades, yeah. There's a core set of stuff to put around her. But how yeah, how definitely. do you how do you approach the game without because like Ray can just melt if she gets caught by a four ship list. She can be like down yeah. to one or two hull if she gets caught. So how how do you approach it? Um it kind of I think it stems from the fact that she is essentially a giant A wing. Um it's a three A wing list. Like if you imagine five A, except I've just put three of them together into one. So they're all very capable of coming in, chipping away, turning away, shooting you out the button, running in a completely different direction. Um, where you, you're absolutely right, she can bully two, three, four ship lists quite easily. Um, so they're much more straightforward. It's when you start to get the five and six and even seven, eight ship lists where you have to play her much more um, defensively. So I spend a lot of time stalling her using the A-wings to hold her in position. So you can pretty much hold her where she deploys for four turns if you use the A-wing to like turn through her and then turn in front of her and barrel roll in front of her and that sort of stuff. And if you set her up just far enough away from the board edge, you can also just go straight and then when you want to, sloop and be facing back into the whole board. So it's very easy to get people to follow her into a corner and then she can happily go two different ways. And if they follow her, you can boost away. If they don't follow her, you can rotate and take side shots. Because even the side shots are pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and it, it all comes down to that kind of, you have to, I can't remember the name of the player, but he once described Ray as being like a mad dog. And once you take her off the lead, that's it. She's going to go and she's going to eat and eat and eat, but eventually someone's going to shoot her in the head. So you have to know when to let her off that lead. And it's finding that perfect, perfect turn to do it. And that's the that's the turn that hinges on the, um, the practice and the reps is actually doing against which list like because some you're just going to let her off turn one and let her just go and start eating things on the other side of the board and against yeah. other ones you want to stall her for four turns in a corner and then run her up the board edge and then sloop her back down again and do that kind of stuff and yeah, you know exactly. I've seen, you know ollie playing her with um poe um he stalls her for one turn and then starts running her along his deployment zone um and he's waiting for the opportunity to turn in there. Like he's running them separately, um, Ray and Poe. So yeah, it's a, have you have you tried overdrive thrusters Poe with Ray? Yeah, it just doesn't suit me quite as much as the two A wings. I think we've we've had this discussion in the resistance group that we're both part of, where I think a two ship list is just not quite forgiving enough for me. I like just having that third body. Um, and I think I think she really benefits from that. Obviously, with Ollie though, his game plan is um, get Poe to the end game, win that way. Whereas mine, I can do both. I can get Ray to the end game and have her close out, or she can hopefully do enough damage that the A wings can just fly around things and chip away and not take much damage themselves. So, um, I mean, you, you mentioned the resistance chat, and we've talked about it a couple of times in here that we've got this little gang of nerds oh, yeah. who just talked about. Never heard of it stuff. before. 
Um, it's a, in a, a funny, funny little anecdote from um, I played a game against your uh, your one of your best friends, I think Nick um, from yes. Steel City, and he thanked me from the bottom of his heart for the existence of the Resistance Channel because he was like, <laughs> I, I cannot deal with another game with Tom going, I've thought of a minor tweak to Ray Wings. I'm gonna change this card to that card. Would you run some would you run something into me like four times so I can see if it's any good? And he's just like, oh I just want to play something else. Just not another game against Ray Wings, please. So now now we've given you somewhere where you can go and do that. And he's he's yeah. very grateful. So if he's not thanked you in person, here here you can have it um, vicariously oh. through us. Well, we all need an outlet, and that's what you give me, which is lovely. <laughs> and we actually listen to you, and you know, occasionally you, well, you shout. I, mm, it's taken me a while to get my opinions kind of like validated. When I came in to start with, and I was like, "Prockets, the sh <laughs> everyone was like, oh, "No, they're not at all." Are they? I also I can't think... wait to see what noise is going to get rid of that word that I just said. It'll be Chewbacca. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, Prockets are good, but in your build, maybe they need to be different. And Clusters is a really yeah. strong thing. Because like, you've tried Clusters, you've tried Magpulse, you've tried Concussions, you've tried you know everything on that ZZ build. And Clusters is the thing that's settled uh, for you as, yeah. the, as the best yeah, option. Yeah, very much so. so. Yeah, and it's the... just because it does so much damage. And I often, you know, people will say things like, well, Concussions have got a bigger range or Prockets have got a bigger chance of spiking. And they have, but I think they require a lot more setup because you really need them to be double modded. Whereas Zizi, because of her ability to take the focus after the first attack, you've got two single modded attacks, but that's probably still better than one single modded procket, and it's easier to set up. And yeah. you can do it twice. I get it. I get it. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Ray? Or can we let Ben move the conversation on? Yeah, I think you should probably move the conversation on because I yeah. can just go yeah. through the entire podcast, <laughs> but we'll not do that. Right. We're on to the next one there. Peter Lake. So th this is actually quite interesting because um, apparently aggressors are trash unless you have Sloan, but this list says otherwise. So it's um, Onyx Squadron Scouts, Tie Aggressors. They've all got dorsal turret and disciplined, and then two of them have got tracers. Oh no, sorry, I tell a lie. There's, they've all, all of them have got ion missiles except one of them, and one of them's just got tracers. Um, I didn't see the list to be played. It's an interesting list. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six of them. Yeah, do this on one of the stream games that I caught because I got a buy because I was doing so badly. And I watched the game, and I think it was round three, and he absolutely drubbed somebody with it. And I can't remember what the other person was using, but basically, yeah, he was just he just swarmed them across the board and just shot stuff until it was dead. It was it was very straightforward. <laughs> it's just you know, and but it's again, it's one of those lists that you don't expect to. It might have been against double fire sprays, actually. It was. It was against double fire sprays. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, it was a very interesting. Um, it was a very interesting game to watch because obviously nobody really thinks of um, aggressors as anything, but you know they're good because the the price of them on eBay is going through the roof. It's <laughs> um, the only place you can buy them from. I've got three of them. Yeah, that's 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 probably a new car right there, Ben. If you if you play a car, right? <laughs> 
I could sell my gunboats for more than that. <laughs> oh, come on, AMG, give us some good ships. Come on. Uh, moving on. Or just some new points, please. Yeah, I'm ready for so, the new points. Or something. Or just new something. Something, something. Well, they're giving you a massive tentacle ship. I mean, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, we don't mm. we don't care mm. about the massive tentacle ship, really, do we? I'm going to buy yeah. it. it. I guess if you play probably. Epic. Does yeah, if you play Epic, move? it's good. But No, no, it doesn't matter. I'm going to buy it anyway. Yeah, no worries. There's going to be like an above the cube card in it, so you all need to buy it. And it's going to be non-faction specific. Definitely. <laughs> because, well, yeah. like the, the, Palp- the Palpatine of version 2. Yes, but since it's a separatist ship, it's going to be like non-faction restricted, and you're going to need multiple copies of it. <laughs> I, I, I buy one of everything, so it doesn't matter to me. Good lad. Oh, me too. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's at me least too. one of everything. Sometimes it's more. <laughs> Sometimes it's much worse, like even three copies. <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got too many of some ships that are just not worth having. Yeah, I mean I think I've got about eight defenders. <laughs> yeah, at least they look cool. Yeah, fair. Um, right, the next list is Merrick Kemp. Um, this is actually I I'd enjoy flying this list. So it's outmaneuver Whisper with advanced sensors. Uh, Major Vinder with fire control, advanced proton torpedoes, normal proton torpedoes, advanced slam, and the arsenal loadout, so he can fire them with the slam. And you've got uh, Captain Kagi, is that right? Yep. With Palpatine. Uh, Kagi is, is the target lock one. I think so. I was just about to look. But yeah, he's the, one that, he's the one that sucks target locks to himself. Can he not pass them to someone else as well or something? No. Oh, I can't remember. I've never used it. No, he's the one that if um, if you lock a ship that's in range of him, um, he he's locked instead. Uh, it's at the start of engagement phase. Yeah, something like that. At the start of engagement phase, you may choose one or more friendly ships at range not to three. If you do, transfer all enemy lock tokens from a chosen ship to you. Yeah, that seems good. I guess he's there more of a, a coordinating Palpatine carrier than anything else. Yeah, and he protects Whisper or whatever from, um, like, torps or kind of big um, initiative um, alpha strike things. Sadly, he doesn't stop passive sensors because it's at the start of the engagement phase. Yeah. No, uh, I, uh, that's an. I mean, I love Major Vin. Uh, it's one of my favorite ships to fly. Um, and that same sort of loadout because there's just no safe range to be in his arc. Yeah. Just sat, and uh, the Palpatine means you can do the slam into the lock and still have a bit of mods, you know, on your tops. He's good. Yeah, I, I just I, wish I, all the other gunboats, like all the other gunboats, had like even a, a higher lower level. Yeah. I'm trying to have a look now. I, I, said, I, I can't even remember I, what the ones are called anymore. You know, I never see them anymore. Do you, you? you see the you see the odd generic being used as a as a blocker or a filler ship on on lists, but only by people who haven't realised how good Inquisitors are. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So, like, I think they all suffer from the conversion kit 
syndrome. Like, not the people, obviously, the, the, the pilots. Uh, like, you know, given a single type of ship, you have, like, one pilot that's definitely above the curve, and all the others are like, meh, yeah, we're here, but we're not that good, so just ignore <laughs> us. That's fair. Yeah. They also suffered a little bit from the version 2 nerf, because they were in the ascendance towards the end of version 1 with the quick draw 3 gunboats harpoon Alpha striking oh, list. Yeah. Um, so, sorry to remind you all that that thing existed. I know, uh, I was playing it. So not <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they got hit with the same kind of nerf bat to, for a while that um, kind of a lot of the stuff that was high towards the end of version one did. But they didn't get it as badly. I don't think like Savinder so was the, it wasn't it the Birmingham Barons came up with the, the Vinder. The build that was the hatchet man that's it to to defeat phantoms but then they figured out how to use phantoms to defeat hatchet man and it all got a bit inception level meta prediction <laughs> um over in alabama for a bit was <laughs> do you bring hatchet man to beat phantoms or do you bring phantoms to beat hatchet man and can you execute that's the other thing can you execute the strategy required for both um but yeah it's uh i like seeing star wings on the table they're a complete pain like to play against because they do that thing where they just don't die and then you never see them again um, <laughs> until tell the that, last tell that to mine then <laughs> <laughs> was that until the last turn when they come back in with one hole left and kill something to win the game that's what always seems to happen against me but yeah and good list we'll, out so now we're up into the top four so we've got Alessandro Mazzi with a list that Rich likes to call Jousty McJoustface Apparently, oh, yeah. Alice, apparently, Alessandro hates that name. He's been his, he had it introduced to him um, by <laughs> by somebody uh, yesterday or the day before, and he hadn't heard it. And he wants it called like Mazzy Beef or like Mazzy Jet uh, Jess Mazzy or something like that. Um, and you know, he <sighs> came, he came up with this version himself. And... Sorry, the range is too much, and I gotta stop you. Okay, Go on. the range is too much. Please, Go don't, on. no, don't. Please, never refer to that as Matsy beef. And <laughs> no, Alessandro, you're not allowed. You're you are still not allowed to have a list named after you. What? No, no, no. This what feels like there's history. Races. This feels like there's history. Um, do you want to do you want to talk talk to us about the history? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Purale, no, there's no there's no history, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the thing is, sometimes when we're gonna give some, you know, some shade to Alessandro, we always remind him that he's one of the greatest bridemaids, but never the bride. Because <laughs> uh, I would say that a few times he has come uh, a tiny bit close to the winning spot, but then things didn't go his way. So yeah, we, we just like to give him, but like he's a really really solid player. The oh, yeah. other way, the other way that people likes to give him shade is just to remind him that oh well, it's pretty easy to fly that list. Just set one straight and go on until everything, all the rest of the table is dead. <laughs> and I mean, you kind of the point of the list. You have like twelve rerolls every turn, so. Yeah, so there's there's another version of this list which has got another red squadron instead of Bastion, and has C3PO on Rose, and it 
averages 13 hits on 12 okay. dice. Yeah. So oh, it, no. it, <laughs> its average yeah, output but... is 13 hits from 12 dice because of Finn. So basically, you would expect to get three, two or three hits from every ship every turn. Um, and this is a little bit lower, but it's got better action economy because of Bastion. Um, and we dubbed uh, the, the two Red Squadron version Jousty McJoust Face. Um, because you know that's what it does, and and the basically got down to the the thought process that you make cut with this, and then you meet somebody who knows how to fly against beef, or knows how to fly against it with aces, and then you lose. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I don't know what I, Alessandro I lost to. Um, he lost but to me twice. Oh, he beat. He lost to double fire spray aces. So yep. yeah. It, it, and that's the thing. The list is super, super strong in the field. It's super, super strong to get to, you know, four, two, five, one, even six, zero, um, depending on what you come up against, and to joust your way into cut. And um, Matja Mandarov, who's the Croatia captain for XTC, um, he's played versions and variants of this as well, and he's always got to cut, and maybe through one round of cut, and then lost because he comes up against aces. So uh, Tom, you know it's got it's got a weakness. Tom's the same, hasn't he? Tom did really well with it in the Kyber Cup, but very similar. I think he had uh, advanced targeting on Finn. Yeah, I think that's the only difference. I think yeah, he went to one night. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It is Andrew my only losses of the the day. He beat me in round one, um, and then beat me and knocked me out of the top eight. Oh. So it was like oh. So I'm 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 kind of looking at this list, going I I don't want to see this for quite some time now. You could fly it as resistance. I could, but there's no ray anywhere, so that kind of is disappointing. Like you look at sort of like Chewie and Gang, and you, at least you've got Ray Gunner. <laughs> could you not just wear quite a t-shirt excited. with Ray on? Like I'd like to go back one second on a previous point we touched about mm-hmm. Alessandro and Christopher's game in top sixteen. Yeah, because. Mm-hmm. You like yes, Christopher got uh, got smashed by this list. But uh, I haven't watched the whole game, but I've I've watched like glimpses of it between one thing and the other. And I think that list-wise, Christopher could have been uh, how do you say in, in advantage, like yeah. it could have had the upper hand. But in my opinion, and this is the opinion of somebody who doesn't play much, so I mean, I don't know if I'm the best person to say that, but he (laughs) fell, he completely fell into Alessandro's bait. The bait of this list is Finn. Uh, Christopher went for Finn, and the rest of the squad smashed him. Like, once he loses Nash, you're gone. So... So that that's true, and and that's a hundred percent what happened. He went for uh, so he got a couple of blocks in, and he decided to shoot at Finn because that's where he could concentrate fire the most, is what it looked like. Um, and then Finn has this thing where he either lives forever or he dies in two shots because he spends his focus on the first one, and then he just blanks out or whatever, and he doesn't get any results. Um, in the game against Chris, on the first shot into Finn, he rolled double blank and he heroicked into yeah. enough evades so that he didn't have to spend his token. The second added an time, eyeball, well. <laughs> no, 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 you can't do it. Added that. the blank, sorry. Yeah, so he, he heroicked, added that, yeah, he, 
rolled two blanks, added a third blank, rolled, re-rolled back into enough. And then the next shot in was exactly the same. He double blanked, added an eyeball, re-rolled into three focuses, spent the focus and took nothing from a range one. And that was just that that was yeah. just the, the oh. firepower was gone and the focuses were gone and then Jess double modded somebody to death and then the Red Squadron double modded somebody to death and then Rose put some damage onto somebody else and suddenly instead of having um you know four ships flying into the beef, there was fifth brother looking a little bit sad and like one wounded interceptor left and it was like bit of a well that was quick and brutal um <laughs> and it's probably actually i think i think you make a really good um point people is the um it's probably given people a false impression of what the outcome of that game would be if you if you ran it differently or if two different players was playing it um because yeah that was um i think just a brain fart from chris and then he, he doubled down on it and kept doubling down on it like you know finn's dice are going to fail out at some point but they didn't they held up I think he died on the third shot, didn't he, Finn? He took three or maybe four shots to die. He did die eventually, but it took every shot. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's funny because I, in my second game with him, I took Finn out first um, because um, I had false transponders. So Ray false transponders him. He has no focus. And then it was three shots into him. So he just evaporated. And in response, he just slightly misjudged that I was going to come in. So he only had a Rose shot and a Red Squadron Expert shot into Ray. And still, the amount of damage she took off after that and then the next turn when everything turned round, it just, it's so consistent. And the X-Wings are just too bulky to be killed really quickly. And that, I think, is the, the kind of the key to the list. Yeah, you can't take it out. You can't take it out quickly at all. Super strong list. Oh, yeah. Just scared myself to death. My bag fell off the side. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I thought someone was attacking me. <laughs> oh, right. So we'll move on to uh, Lloyd's list. Have we lost? Yeah. Have we lost Filippo? By the way. No, no, I'm here. Oh no, you're yeah. still here. I'm still, okay. Yeah, I'm silently listening and judging every each one. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I just hadn't heard your beautiful dulcet tones for a little minute, and I was worried that something had happened with Discord. Oh, you make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, Lloyd was flying uh, Django Zam. Um, I don't think we need to go in the list to the list too much, but he, the the game me and Tim watched his first game was a masterclass in flying that list. Oh he yeah, just, he just dick like ducked and dodged and dived all over the place till he could come in and just he just dominated it really. Um, <clears throat> it's why I said the. Um, the scum list earlier on, we didn't see its true potential because he just flew rings around it. It didn't get to do what it wanted to do at all. Yeah. <laughs> Lloyd's, a, Lloyd's a very accomplished player and that's, you know, a very strong list. So, you know, it's um, you put an excellent toolbox list into the hands of a very good player and, you know, it's 200 points and there's, I don't know if there's a, if there's an upgrade you would take off there. But then you look at it and you think, actually, you could probably reduce that down a little bit. So while he didn't have a bid and clearly didn't need a bid, um, if you start getting into a bid war with this kind of thing, um, there's a lot, there is some fat you can carve off it, or there's certainly stuff that you don't need in inverted commas to have. Um, yeah. But, like it's a, it's a super, super strong list. 
and, and Tom, really well flown. Tom mentioned that he does fly it a lot less, but part of the beauty of that list is both ships are 100 points. Yeah. So it's really easy to keep track. If you lose half on one, you know you're 50 points down. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's always a oh, strong that's point really, of a list. That's really clever. Like, I, I didn't realize that. That's really, really clever. Yeah, there was that... some, a few upgrades switched around here and there between Django and Zam from the usual one you see. So, kudos. It, it helped. Um, there was a, a Republic list that I flew a little bit, which uh, Gary McDowell from um, Tonton Squadron put us onto, which was um, four I four Republic ships that were all fifty points, and it genuinely made the day easier as a, at a as a tournament for just figuring out how do I win this game. Well, he's got seventy five points, so I know I I know I need to find seventy five points. So the doing the mental arithmetic that quickly makes your makes you able to focus on the game rather than sitting pondering half points on this plus that uh, uh, and trying to just easier and i think um everybody should play round numbered lists so that it's easier for everyone um or as we talked about last time on the podcast just you know keep scores updated as you go along using one of the several apps that are available that's an interesting one we've got you on Filippo, from a, a judge's perspective um for yep. kind of big events what would your view be on there being a running score on a table like we have in TTS, but in real life? Okay, so uh, I think this will very rapidly rapidly delve into what I think about some of the tournament rulings and event rulings. No, so, no, we're not. We're not going to go there. Just one one question. Uh, yeah, that, that's a rabbit hole. You don't want to go into. Uh, so about the specific one, I would say that I find a tiny bit silly that players can't really take notes and refer to them. Like I, I get the implications of referring to external notes, but not having the possibility to like consult your own notes you're taking live. I mean, that's eh, uh, yeah, definitely silly. Silly is the word that i think fits the best Mm -hmm. yeah i think like when we talked about it in in summary we thought score well i thought scorekeeping fine um like 100 percent. there's no problem with having a running score um on a phone or an app or on a bit of paper or whatever um but the notes beyond that you would get into a discussion or a question about what notes they're taking and why um, and yeah. whether it's interrupting the flow and the speed of the game. They're saying, just one second, I'm taking a note before they're setting their dials or whatever. Um, so it would probably be difficult to judge it. But I think Tim mentioned last week that we, we just think it comes as a as a default position from the other games that FFG had rules for to stop people yeah. from like note-taking in card games or whatever, yeah. where it's in, much in, more relevant. In card games like Agot, Netrunner, or I don't know, Legend of the, Legend of the Five Rings, yeah. Having notes and consulting them, like, yeah, the key card from your deck, you already played it, blah, 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 could be, yeah. like, crucial in winning or losing a game. Yeah, I guess, but like, honestly, things yeah. like Netrunner doing the maths in your head is part of the game, isn't it? Can I afford to do this yeah. run? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I get it. But I get it. one thing that I don't really get is that X-Wing is a game where... No, like keeping track of how much you lost is 
it's kind of easy because you should know how much your ships cost. But in a game where the card cost is not printed on the cards and the opponent cards are sitting on the other side of the table and in, two, in second edition also, half of the upgrade cards are covered by each other. I mean, uh, yeah, allow me to take a note about what I've shot down or, even better, provide me an efficient app that please allows me to note in your enclosed app system what we've done. Like, let me update the score live so we'll, we'll have it accessible on your app. That would be I, sensible. I, I'm going to wade in there because I, I obviously uh, I got quite emotional last week about the whole note taking fiasco. But I think um, for for me, it's it just speeds up the game, and um, I think yeah, I think there is certainly a balance to be made between uh, working out the scores and and knowing what where the game state is versus you know writing essays about how the game went and what moves you should have done and. You know, what mistakes you made and stuff like that but yeah you know I, th- I think i think it's a benefit for all players if we can openly like have the scores out i think that would be uh really good yeah uh, i still think that players should kind of ma- mandatorily is that a word like the players should provide to each opponent a copy of the list that they should be able to keep obviously i can't force people to print 20 copies of the same list. But I bet we have the technology to do something similar in a less wasteful way. Like, yeah, here's, you're playing against these. Feel free to take notes about what you shoot down. I mean, one one thing I mentioned last week, Filippo, was um, the fact that with, like, uh, Tabletop TO that we're using so heavily at the moment for events, you can actually, if you import using, say, the USB uh, USB URL link for um, uh, Launch Bay or Yasby, um, you can then uh-huh. uh, export the what they call the XWS uh, from that list and just yes. in- import it. So yes. I use Launch Bay on my phone, and so I can I I could just import my opponent's list, and straight away I've got all the details of what his list does, what his dials do, what his points do. And there's a calculator on there as well. And it just speeds up the game because I'm not suddenly stopping my opponent in the planning phase going, oh, can I just ask you, what K turns do you have? And, well, can you show me the dial and stuff like that? And equally, um, I think with 2.0, because every ship gives up half points and, you know, suddenly like you're doing the maths in your head trying to work out, am I ahead? Am I not ahead? What do I need to kill? This sort of thing. So I think, um, you know, sharing that information openly uh, will just speed up the game massively. Uh, but if people use the technology that's out there, so the apps and using, you know, using the URLs and, you know, importing your list correctly into Tabletop TO if that's what we're using, um, you know, I think that would be a, a, a massive boon for the entire community. Yeah, no, I, honestly, I agree. Uh, I think that defining the cost of sheep and upgrades and all the correlated stuff as open information available for both players. I can't say it's a lie, but I think it's an illusion. It's an illusion because actually, if I have to double check uh, an app, a list, a this or that, to know how much your ships are worth, then it's not open information. And the system you were referring to, like using the WS 
as a I don't want to say like a notebook, but as a as a reference. Like it's the best thing that could happen for the game. One of the best things that could happen for the game, because you are getting rid of uh, uh, liabilities. No, sorry, uh, like d- dead moments in the flow of the game. Because most of the times, I do have good faith in the other players, because they are not trying to stall the game by asking questions. But I honestly recall instances of seeing players trying to stall the game with silly questions. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, no, I, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it. Yeah, I, I've been judge, judging wargaming uh, events for many years over various gaming systems, and I think, although I would not see many people doing it, but then, yeah, maybe uh, trying to... It's almost like distracting your opponent, I guess, asking those questions. And if you don't need to ask yeah. your opponent, like, what's on that dial... But then also, it's always, um, you, you know, you ask what's on that dial once they've set it. So then they then spin the dial for you to look at it, and then they need to reset it, you know, and perhaps they've you know, set it to a different one or whatever they do. But, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, like, you know, I, we don't need to dwell on it too much longer, but I think it would be um, useful for the game um, to take that kind of, I don't know, it's, it's it's stupid, really. I mean, this is it all came about... I, we had the um, the episode last week where we were talking about lessons learnt from um, lockdown. And, you know, I mean, I, I play with two copies of Yasby open in my, in my second screen so that I know exactly what my opponent's list is, what the points are, what the game state is. Technically, in the floor rules, you can't do that. But obviously, nobody can police that. So most events are like, no, it's absolutely fine. You can, you, you can do that. Um, but at Worlds, I was told by the judge there that I could make notes at the start of the game, but once the round timer started, I couldn't make notes. So I was like, well, that's a bit silly. So I can write down the half points and full points for each of my opponent's list, but during the game, I couldn't, I yeah, I, I couldn't do a tally. Uh, and you know, and, and uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop going on about it because obviously I think it is something that is a bit silly, but that's just where the florals were when we were last playing. Cool. So let's let's hit the top two, the uh, the final ones. Um, we'll start with the second place because it's a list that me and Rich have been like gushing over for quite a while, really, haven't we, mate? <laughs> yeah, to an extent. Um, yeah. So a few episodes ago, I gave credit where credit was due to Oliver Williams on the Tonton um, Discord channel, who basically said one of his mates had pointed at Garvin Hera. Um, Kyle Katarn and um, Benthic Two Tubes and said, these have all got token passing mechanics, wouldn't it be hilarious? And so I ran a version of it in the Tin Squadron event, but I used Hera in the B-Wing to try and get an extra gun in. Um, And we kind of said, well, A-Wings are probably better, but what would you fit in? And then I was messing about with Hera and Kyle as the core of it and replacing the other ships with e-wings or with wedge and something or with anything else and honestly um what andrew's done uh, with his list of putting perceptive co-pilot onto benthic two tubes basically just means that there's seven green dice uh, so, sorry seven green tokens rolling around in this list everybody's got a focus and access to an evade or an evade and access to a focus um from hera hera's sitting on a stack of three tokens 
Um, Garvin never uses the token stack. He never depletes it because his own action, he takes an evade token. So he just uses a focus if he needs it from Hera and passes it back. Um, Tim, I know, played against him and I know a few other people played against it. And they just said it felt like you had to do three or four hits on your dice to even have a chance of doing any damage. And then you had to do that twice in order to get points. And they just couldn't make it. They just couldn't, like, get past it. Um, And the other thing that he's done that is a very interesting addition is he's put um, tracers onto Hera, which kind of think, "Mm, maybe that's not the best. But when she's got three focus tokens, why not use one of them to fire a a tracer Um, and give everybody a target lock? And if it whiffs, it whiffs. But, you know, more times than not, it's going to hit, especially if you go into something that's lower initiative. Um, yeah, or, you know, she can take a target lock and use that plus a focus to make sure it hits. Um, yeah, it's crazy good. Um, and I've spoken to a few people who played against Andrew and they said he was a lovely, lovely player and he, he needed to be because it was so difficult to play against the list and it was so demoralizing to play against it when you blocked one of his ships to leave him tokenless and then um, he passes him. Uh, I think somebody passed him oh that was it um blocked garvin and then kyle passes a focus to hera hera has taken a lock and so garvin fires a double modded four dice shot instead of an unmodded four dice shot um into something at range one because you know garvin steals hera's lock to re-roll steals the focus spends the focus gives it back to hera so she can give it to somebody else later on and then at the end of the round she still got it so on kyle's activation at initiative three she passes it to him because he doesn't need it but um uh, you know he might as well have it for next he turn can, anyway he can keep it yeah yeah he can keep it so you know and yeah the the action economy um we, we said it on the podcast that, that it's like um a tiny mind link was um you can't stop that list from having mods um, you just can't stop it from having mods, so you have to play around that. Um, and he got beaten twice all day, I think. Um, once in the final and once um, towards the start. Oh, no, actually, he lost to that um, crazy scum list we talked about at the start, at the very start of the day. Oh, um, right. So, yeah, I think that's what he lost to. I, I, I would love to disagree with you, Rich, and say Andrew was a horrible man, and um, you know, <laughs> but no, he he, he was a, a yeah lovely guy. We did a nice chat at the start. Um, he comes from Blizzard Squadron uh, in Edmonton, Canada. Um, so obviously, I had a bit of a chat with him at the start because me and Ben hung around with Cam, Kelvin, Devon, and you know a few of the other Canadians at worlds in 2019 so it was nice to sort of have a chat with them and andrew's going to be flying as part of the canadian xtc team uh he flew it well um i mean i i was frustrated with myself to start with in our game because i i made a uh a mistake with sunny and over overextended and ended up losing sunny to two three uh, range three attacks um which was just yeah i i shouldn't have put him out there without a token um but then the efficiency of the list just kicked in and it was just, it was so brutal. Um, you know, he, he played it well and, uh, you know, it's quite, quite interesting when um, I was kicking myself at the end of Swiss cause I went four uh, two, but then the two people I lost to both made it to the final. So I kind of don't feel so bad now, but um, no, <laughs> you know, congratulations to um, Andrew for getting to the final. 
Uh, you know, you, you, surviving you know. a full weekend of X-wing on a very different time zone. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I played him game two, and oh god knows what time it was in the morning for him. But yeah, I'm sure I saw that he finished at two p.m. his time or something. Yeah, so we, I imagine uh, ridiculous. Yeah, that's it. The sun was probably rising in Canada about that time. So. Apparently, the um, I missed the start of the final. I caught a little bit of it. By the time I'd got back home, it was finished. So I heard it was, it was quite yeah, the The double fire sprays obviously had a plan for how to deal with it, which was get in, brutalize something as quickly as possible, and drop thermals everywhere, because it doesn't matter if you've got 11 green tokens. You can't do anything to stop the bombs if they're hitting you, and I can do coup crits. Yeah, yeah. So- he, he bum rushed him. Basically, he, he slammed um, Zam into range one of the U wing, and then um, basically said, "Well, if you're going to keep shooting me, I'm eventually going to double tap that thing that's going to shoot me at initiative two um, <laughs> because of you know um, Zam uh, trigger." Um, yeah, um, he did a he did a proper number on yeah boosted in. Um, I think um, Ollie watched it and he said his. Um, because he had to spend all of his actions on getting in, um, he was kind of relying on his red dice a little bit, and they held up. Um, but because he rushed in so fast, um, the token stack wasn't quite set, um, so he was a little bit down on the token passing. Um, and yeah, it, it basically ended up with him um, eating, as Tom said, four, four. Um, thermal detonators followed by probably another set of four thermal detonators as he kind of rushed into range one and then turned away and yeah by the time they were actually starting to exchange fire he'd half pointed some stuff and you know things were at that point limping so yeah um lucas clearly figured out a plan and uh, executed it really well so yeah it was interesting I, I don't know how much andrew actually played on stream whether the top four game was his first one on stream but his opening was pretty much the same, so I don't know if he played any other players that Lucas knows, and maybe they'd said like, you know, this this opening is identical, because once he'd committed to that opening, you know, burning Leo in the first turn to do his stops, to do his K turn with Garvin, uh, that really gave Lucas the um, the sort of the priority, you know, with that game, you know, the initiative, and actually being able to get his fire sprays into that position to not only not take that much damage because you know zam did have to sit there in front of you know that rebel list for a turn um but then that perfect position for dropping all those bombs it was just it was absolutely brutal um yeah yeah but no uh, yeah well played getting to the final you know this is it yes you know it's uh yeah very well played in a 120 player event with some of if not a lot of the you know the best players around europe and further afield so I think we're going to see a fair amount of that rattling around, and um, it's a, maybe it's a nice segue into um, the next topic of conversation being the XTC. Um, just, just before we move on, just a shout out to all the Firecast guys for it. Sounds like they had it running really well, and uh, yeah, good job because it can't have been easy running all that event. <laughs> yeah, they really did like make a great event for everyone. Like, I was really happy to see a lot of people playing. Like, it's not every day you see over 100 people playing, so kudos to them. Well done, guys. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, it was fantastic. 
So we'll move well, on to the. Uh, go on, well, there is a there is a good thing to say about XTC. Tom actually had something else riding on um, his finish, and in the Farcast Cup, which was that Team Hellas for the XTC had one open slot for a mercenary, and Tom had basically has been going around shilling his wares to anybody who would who would listen to him, trying to find literally out anyone who says a positive into. word to me, and I'm just uh, there. Can, can I can I be on your XTC team? You haven't got one. Should we make one? Um, how, how, how so, about me? I can I can do it. Me, have you have you heard of me before? I like Ray. Can I can I play with you? Um, so, um, so so yeah, Team Hellas set up a, a like a blind competition between Tom and one other player who you didn't know who it was, did you? Um, no, I did. Basically, I they now. said basically they said whichever of you finishes higher, you can be our. Um, our resistance uh, player for XTC. Uh, so now Tom has renamed his, uh, himself as Tom Field Sandopoulos um, <laughs> and is relocating to um, the beautiful island of Kos uh, or something. That's the first Greek island that popped into my head. Um, actually, it was the second one, but, you know, family show. So uh, I don't want to go to Lesbos too soon. Um <laughs> Oh, the jokes are just too easy. I'm going to stop before Demetrius comes and actually kicks me up the arse. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, well, well, well done on making an XTC team. Um, which Thank one? you. It was, it was it's... kind of weird because I was on the, the shortlist for the UK one. Um, but then in the end, that came down to the it was the resistance list that got picked is Tom Reed's brutally efficient uh, Jousting McJoust face. So <laughs> it's kind of like, well, yeah, fine. I, I get that because mine is a bit more of a, a kind of an off-the-wall yeah. list. Um, but then I obviously out of 110 people, what I wasn't expecting was to spend all day only playing against resistance and first order lists. I had four of each throughout the whole day. And it just so happened that I also got drawn against the other person who was competing for the space. Um, and I managed to beat him, which was lovely because he actually finished 18th. He was almost in the top cut. Um, so it was on the night before, the the um, the captain of Team Hellas, Leonidas, was saying, well, if people drop, you're in the cut, but that will get him in the cut as well, and then it is a case of whoever gets higher. So I was <laughs> slightly pleased when no one dropped. I was like, yes, I'm in. But as a fellow member of Team Hellas in 2017, uh, I would like to say welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, so you're gonna serve under the ruling of um, uh, sorry, of um, Captain Leonidas, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he has been my captain, and he's a good captain. You'll do good. No, he, he seems really lovely. We were, we, I had my briefing today on the way home, so I took a kind of an extra detour. Um, as I was walking to make sure it was all there. And it was just lovely just kind of like hearing about what everyone else is flying and coming up with some plans and figuring out when we're going to get practicing. But I'm looking forward to it. Yet yeah, more chance to tweak Ray Wings. <laughs> uh, the five oh, no, people here, four of you are involved in XTC. Who's not, Ben? <laughs> Who's not? Um, I think it's Filippo. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really the only one that's playing <laughs> I, I'm not involved in the slightest. Poor Ben. Poor Ben. I, I might watch. <laughs> I might <laughs> not just out of spite. Drop a, drop, <laughs> drop a sub. Just go buy an oil rig, like in the <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of the sea, and run up your own nation. 
<laughs> I mean, if I could afford an oil rig, I wouldn't be talking to you, nerd. <laughs> he's laughing at his own joke. <laughs> the funniest thing is that he how hard he's laughing at his own joke, which wasn't that funny. Filippo, <laughs> so, do you want to talk to us a little bit about XTC? Because like we chatted a little bit about it when the teams were all announced and it was kind of coming up, but like um so so I know you've been involved in um, like the, I, the in-person ones in the ETC, which turned into the XTC. Is that right? Yep. Yep, that's right. So a little bit of backstory. Uh, it all started in 2016, thanks to the effort of Christoph. Uh, Christoph, who uh, I'm going to butcher your Polish surname. <laughs> uh, that, that this is the moment that I fear the most, so I'm going to just read it. Christoph P-I-S-Z-C-Z. I'm sorry, I really can't pronounce your surname. So anyways, he put a lot of effort in 2016 to have X-Wing as a... Yeah, thank you. (laughs) a secondary system at the ETC. That year, the ETC was uh, actually held in Greece, in Athens. So since that year... Uh, there was X-Wing at one of the largest events for the tabletop gaming world. I mean, the ETC, I I think I can say it was, because now the whole thing has been kind of disbanded. Um, It was the largest team tournament event gathering people from literally all over the world. Uh, X-Wing ETC grew, one year later, when, the year that I actually played in ETC, 2017, Salamanca in Spain. And um, X-Wing went from having, I think, eight teams to uh, 12 or 14. So they kind of doubled in one year, and it, se- it seemed amazing. They kept on growing, on growing uh, in uh, 2018, when the event was moved to Zagreb. And that year we had, I think, 18 teams. Like, I, I might be mistaken, like, my memory is terrible, but, I mean, the numbers just kept on growing. Uh, and that year I started being involved a bit more into the organization of it. Uh, first by assisting Christoph as uh, an the judge, and then by helping him and joining the board of chairman of ETC. So uh, after that, say it's a, it's a bit of a you know a tough topic, but I mean after that we kind of got involved also in the politics of the original ETC organization, and what happened is that we felt the whole organization was a bit limiting for X-wing as the numbers were growing. So we had more teams, we had more people, we had. Uh, kind of also the influence to change some aspects of the event, but there was a shared sentiment of mm, feeling some aspects of the organization as a big, big limit. Uh, Therefore, in 2019, there was like a sudden but inevitable decision of parting ways with ETC 
and originating the XTC, the X-Wing Team Championship with the 29 edition in Krakow that was held like right before the European Championships. So this is in brief the backstory of XTC. You might want to ask, or you uneducated listener, oh, but Pifo, what is the XTC? The XTC is the largest team-based event for X-Wing. It's basically an annual tabletop gaming event which invites gamers from across the world to participate. And yes, I just read it from the website that I put up yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, it's massive. Like this, I know the, the one in Krakow was um, like nearly, was it 20 teams or something? Um, because it was just... Uh, it was 20... 24 teams, including the United Nations. Yeah, so because um, it was an in-person one, there was the thing where, you know, some teams had a had a spare player because they travelled over for the Euros, but they travelled early. And in case some team had had to lose a player and then it hadn't. And so there's like, you know, five guys standing around and it's like, well, since we're here, oh, shall, we, shall we make a yeah. team? <laughs> you know, exactly. Why not? Exactly. And it makes exactly. perfect sense whole... for it. It makes sense mm-hmm. for the in-person thing. If somebody's there and travelled and wants to play and is willing to play, um, it makes sense to do it. Um, is there a United Nations this year for TTS? So, um, still uh, at, at this very moment, is not determined. Just because the United Nations team is a team that gets thrown together like at the very end of the registration um, window. If mm-hmm. we uh, if we understand that we're going to have a, an odd number of teams, then somebody is picked as the captains of the United Nation, a.k.a. the Pirate Nation, and is <laughs> mandated to <laughs> cobble together a team in like 24 hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything could happen. How many teams are in it this time? Uh, so we currently have... I think 42 pre-registered teams. Oh, wow. And by pre- yes. Yes, that's massive. <laughs> it, was 30, it was 36 last time I looked. It's got bigger. I'll have to redo my map. <laughs> uh, so 36 is the ones that confirmed uh, attendance via emails and the logos and all the information and stuff. We have a few teams who are like finalizing the roster or actually figuring out if you know, all the selected players can actually, um, you know, fit the tournament in their schedule. I mean, it seems like, oh, well, it's a tournament, but actually it's time-demanding. It is quite time-demanding for the players because they need preparation, they need to play at least one weekly match, and it is extremely time-demanding for the captains. Uh, Shout-out to all the captains because they don't know how much of the work they are doing. Like, they don't realize it. They are doing a huge lot of work. Uh, Somebody would say, oh, well, you know, you just pick seven players you like, pick seven squadrons you like, and you go, no. It involves a high, high level of strategy and an immense preparation. So Yes, Ollie's... um... Ollie Pocknell's done a, a video about the game within the game and the how the, the pairing works and how the captain process works. And our um, captain for Team Ireland is um, Gary McDowell. 
um, and he's really enjoys like he's he's uh, not enjoying playing X-wing at the moment, but he's really psyched yep. for the captain's game. Like he's really psyched for the the grand strategy and the moving the chess pieces around and you know. Like, you know, I'll, I'm going to throw you under a bus. You'll take the defeat there so that we can get three other good matchups over here somewhere else kind of thing. Um, and it's just, you know, the the pressure is on us then to execute. When he says, you've got a good matchup, I expect you to win this round, um, to, to then be exactly. able to go away and, and do that. Um, whereas if he says, you know, right, I've thrown you under the bus, you just say, cool, well, let's see what happens then. Um, I'm not expected yep. to win this. Are you the designated bus fodder then? I have offered. I genuinely have volunteered. I've said, if you want to put me up first, I don't exactly understand how it works, but I said, do you want to put me up first in everything? I'll I'll have a generic all-comers list that I'm comfortable with flying. And if they want to fly something into me to, to lose, then that's fine. If they want to fly something into me to, to take the win, then that's fine. But, you know, ultimately, because I think you, you put one list forward and the opponents propose two, and then you choose what you play against or something like that. Um, so exactly. you can, exactly. yeah, so it, like... It repeated like two to three times, depending yeah. on the number of actual players on the team. Yeah, so like, if I put forward like Jousty McJoust face, they'll put forward a, a, an incredibly well-flown Imperial Aces list or, you know, a less good jousting list. And then, you know, Gary would say, well, I'm going to throw you under the bus and put me against the Aces. Um, or... I expect you to win and put me against the jousting list. Um, and that, you know, that's the strategy of, you know, if he takes a well-flown aces list flown by an expert ace player out of the equation, that means that we don't have to worry about that somewhere else down the line. Uh, so yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating. I like, as I said, I don't understand it and I'd be terrible at it because I don't understand how matchups work in X-Wing. Um, but because um, to me, like I just joust things it's, and it normally works. So um <laughs> Sorry, right. <laughs> it's like a Christopher Nolan movie. It is really, really complicated when you look at it, and it is much more complicated when you think about it. Oh yeah, Un- until you get to the reveal scene where they talk through the plot with all the twists in it, They're sitting across <laughs> from each other having a coffee, and it's like, no, this is overly convoluted. Just carry on and, and get to the guns at the end. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I can't imagine so, how hard it would be with seven um, seven different lists because we used to do a a three-person sort of version, and that was hard enough with the mind games there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of brain power going into that. Go on. When I refer to a lot of preparation, I mean that over the years, obviously drawing from the experience of, you know, more seasoned ETC players, such as like the Warhammer teams, the Age of Sigmar teams, and, you know, all the other main systems... A few different training systems and, you know, pairing uh, provision system have been developed. Like most of the teams use the traffic light system. So they put their squads, their squad and player combination against the announced teams from the other nations. They start saying, okay, so our rebels is like red against Empire, red against Resistance. Red means it's easy that they are going to lose, but they are definitely green against Scum and Separatist. So we should try to launch this team and expect them to put this, but they will put the other one. So this is what I define like an immense level of preparation. Just repeat that by about 
40 teams because you don't know in which, gu- in which group you'll be drawn. And these years, we also have seven players per team, not five. <laughs> so using maths, I would say that 40, let's say 40 by seven is a whopping 280 players from all around <laughs> the globe, plus subs. So most of the teams have at least one or two reserve players in case there's like some scheduling drama. We don't want teams losing games. So you could average every team to a, at least eight people. Yeah, we've got two we've got, we've got two subs. So there's nine people on Team Ireland and the two subs have got the hardest job because they have to learn the seven lists and be able to just pick one up um at at any point. So yeah, but it's um four forty countries. I mean I don't think there'll ever be an in person event that's as big as this one. Um maybe i guess if it keeps growing it might um because this one's got you know chile and paraguay and brazil and yeah. you know mexico and you know america and i know america sent a team to the last one um you know and and there's teams coming from australia and indonesia and singapore and you can't get an the biggest barrier to the in-person XTC for those far travel teams isn't finding the the seven players to actually play the game. It's the cost. It, you know, it's the, it's the flat, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars Mm. or euros or whatever um, to, to get across the world to play X-Wing for two weeks when, you know, you might have a significant other who looks at you somewhat askance at your proposal <laughs> that you want to spend that amount of money traveling to the other side of the world to play X-Wing rather than, for example, going on holiday with her. Um, so, And know. also not bringing them with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I spend £2,000 to go to America where you're going? Minnesota. Why do you want to go to Minnesota? And so on. Yeah, that, those well, conversations. I, I remember I, that one. I'll say, having <laughs> done the ETC for about 10 years with, you know, 40K with Scotland and England, and that's what a lot of the um, like the Australians would and the Americans would do is they'd actually turn it into like a week or two holiday, bring all their spouses over, you know, go and see Europe and and travel yeah. around a bit and, and make a bit of a holiday out of it. Um, but no, I absolutely get it. Like you know, for some some countries, it is way more expensive than you know, um, for, for 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 other other you know teams. You know, like. Uh, I, I lived in Germany for four years, and I literally, this, uh, when it was down in Switzerland, I drove from where I was based in Germany down to the ETC. Whereas you know the Australians, obviously, that you know the cost of their flights was you know a, a, a scale more expensive. But no, it'd be it'd be really good to see. Uh, I think it's going to be um, uh, probably one of the, the the highest standards XTCs you're going to have as well, because not only are you going to have loads more countries attending than you, than you may do normally but within those teams there might have been players that you know perhaps the best player in Canada for example or wherever wouldn't have been able to travel because of costs work whatever but because it's all online they're going to be able to participate so I think the standard's going to be uh, much higher as well so is it is it being streamed a lot I like uh, have we got loads sure. of different stream things doing stuff so that's one of the aspects that uh, we are working on, because you know, working. Uh, oh, okay, this is gonna sound fun. Working in COVID times was, you know, <laughs> a bit tougher than usual. <laughs> um, if it was an 
um, an in-person event, we would obviously have like one or two trusted streamers on site. But since we are playing online on God knows which time zone every week, because every every team has to you know meet with their opponents and figure out the schedules of everyone. So there's going to be matches played like in the middle of the night somewhere on the planet. Uh, there's, we are not aiming to have like one single streaming, uh, um, how do you say, streaming channel, but we would like to have many streamers, like possibly as many streamers as possible from around the world uh, to gather their efforts into streaming the XTC. Because I know that maybe there's, say, a Peruvian streamer who would really like to stream the matches of his team. On the other hand, let's say Peru plays with England, there could be uh, another streamer wanting to stream the same games, but this time in English rather than uh, in Spanish, you know? So definitely getting help from the community to, uh, to run the streaming from XTC is going to be crucial. We, in this regard, like with Bartosz, we uh, are involving also GSP as well because, you know, Dion and his team, they have a very large experience about running events and media. So when Dion offered support for this, the first thing that came to my mind is like, you know what, like we should work together on arranging some kind of stream hub and some central coordination for the streaming. So uh, this is still a work in progress. I know we are running a tiny bit late in the overall schedule, but I know that the result is going to be good. I mean, the the final, the weekend is, I guess, easier to organize because, you know, all those games are all being played concurrently. You can, you know, get a couple of streamers to, to yeah. jump on and, and, you know, you can have exactly. four or five, six streams running at once with as many games as possible being shown. You know, it'll be crazy. But for exactly. those five, six weeks beforehand where the events are running, you know, maybe at three o'clock in the morning for somebody to, you know, or, you know, you've got a scheduling challenge between two players or whatever, um, then scheduling two players plus a streamer just becomes very, very difficult. Um, so exactly. I, I guess, you know, we'll we'll probably see some stuff on Hexiled when it turns out that, you know, two people have got a game and Scott will just be like, yeah, no worries, you know, stick it on, I'll have an XTC match. Yeah, no problem, because, you know, he's cool like that. Um, Farcast might well get a few on because Nick yeah, from Farcast there's... has joined uh, Team Ireland as well. So um, I, yeah. I received an email about 15 minutes ago. Uh, a streamer from the Netherlands, I think, uh, demonstrated interest in streaming the XTC. I haven't replied. I haven't replied to him yet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, the aim is to have. Uh, it sounds like cliche, but to have an event run by the community for the community. So this means to, that we have to be as inclusive as possible. And I'm not going to say demanding, but requiring the effort of everyone who shows interest in the event, I think is fundamental. So if you are interested in supporting the event, I mean, just go to dxtc.space. It's the very official website of the XTC competition, there's an email address at the bottom of every page that shoot an email to that address. 
dot space. Dot space. Oh that's wow, the XTC dot space. That's a great web URL. Nice. Yep. Loving it. Yep. I've just yep, I've yep, just yep. I've just gone to it. There's a, a giant picture of a ton of X Wing players all roaring at the camera. That's fantastic. Oh. Yes, that was right after the awards ceremony in 2019, I think. And and it was in a brewery, so there was quite a bit of beer had been drunk. No, this is well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Particularly by the, the gentleman in green at the front by the looks on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jody's on there. Oh, that's an awesome picture. I'm just yeah, there's Bob, there's, there's, there's Bob D there as well at the back, yep. along with whatever team he was playing for that year. Because <laughs> along with uh, along with Tom Reed, he's um he's got quite the passport when it comes to XTC. <laughs> Bob was playing for Team England. Was he England that year? He was Ireland the year before, I think. Yeah. In Zagreb. Yep. Yeah. Yep. In Zagreb, yeah. he was playing in Ireland, and also Laura, a um, friend of mine, was playing for Ireland as well. So they all met <laughs> together there. And this year, Tom was playing for the Netherlands. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't get picked for England, so um, what you call um, fan said, hey, Tom, <laughs> how do you fancy I mean, coming and being Dutch for a weekend? <laughs> oh, well. But you know what? Speaking of the event itself, having it so close to European Championships was a total win. Was a total yeah. win. Because, as you say, there was people... Oh, okay. I'm going to the European Championship. I might as well try to get in a team, and that multiplied by two the number of teams within two or three weeks. Yeah, it really it, it just it it just works perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, um, that's definitely an experience I would like to repeat. Having yeah. a community-run event together with a major premier official event. Yeah, it's just the more I'm looking at that picture, and it would uh, the more I just keep seeing face and going, oh yeah, him, oh yeah, him. <laughs> <laughs> I recognise that guy. Oh yeah, yeah him. There, there's Leonidas bottom left, thumbs up, white shirt. That's yeah. Leonidas. And and there's a, a little skinny guy with a black t-shirt on over on the right hand side in a baseball hat, some scrub or other. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Also, I mean, I'm I'm genuinely excited, and and Mrs. Polly has actually given me her full blessing and permission to play um, through the, the the full tournament. Um, so I thought I was going to get to play in the running rounds and then have to hand resistance over to one of the subs uh, for the weekend event. But she said that you know, as it's the country that I'm representing, and it's uh, a weekend, yes. then it's um, it's fine. So if we do, if Team Ireland do make the final weekend. Um, then hopefully all things considered, um, we'll be we'll be able to play. Well, I'll be able to play in it. Um, we've just got to get past um, whichever horrible teams are thrown in front of us. So we'll see. <laughs> yes, there's going to be a random group selection happening. I don't know. So the start is going to be the last weekend of May. So I would say, yeah. Mid, mid May to the third week of May, there's going to be the random groups growing. So is, is anybody fun. seeded, or is it just random? Uh, there has been a few discussions about this in the captains chat because all the captains <laughs> are invited to participate in this. So is it? We don't uh, know. 
<laughs> my honest opinion is that it should be completely random. It should be completely random because the fact that previous teams performed well, but those same teams are not made of the same people. I mean, so it's it's different teams, different people. So I think it can easily be random and no problems, you know, are going to be from that. So what you're saying is randomly England, America, Australia, Poland, Spain and France will all end up in a group together. So we won't have to worry about them in the in the final. Yeah. Uh, depends on how large, how big, and how open your wallet is. <laughs> so it's rich, Polly. So not very open. Yeah, it's not very open. No, I'm quite. Tired. Unless, 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 unless you speak to Mrs. Polly, and then she might open it for him. Or, or, <laughs> okay. or if I'm drunk, if I'm drunk, then <laughs> it gets considerably more open very, very quickly. Yes, please. <laughs> inquiry with the Ministry of Finance. Thank you. <laughs> oh dear. Oh right. dear. I think uh, we can wrap it up at that nice point there, actually. Um, just before we close out, has anyone got any shout outs or anything? Uh, Tom? Already. I'd love to give a shout out to Steel City X Wing. Um, obviously my my group from home who are always there to support and also to the resistance think tank or whatever we decide to call them for putting up with my constant, constant Ray Wings tweaking. Craig, I Craig actually, Ray for Tay Tay. I actually thought you were going to give a shout out to Ray. You missed your chance there. Uh, Filippo? So I would like to send a shout out to the Starboard, my local team. Uh, we actually play at Comics Play, my own shop, and I can't way to get in back get back to you know in person playing i haven't been playing in like more than one year so i'm like eh, please give me some a spaceship fix please yeah i know that feeling uh yeah. anything from you rich no um cheers um to to filippo and um and tom for coming on it's uh it's been a different and i almost wish we'd we got you on on separate weeks because i think we could have We've we've run long, but it's been great content, and I probably could have talked to both of you for a bit longer. So, um, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Yep, second that. Thank you. Anything from you, Tim? Are you just going to stay quiet? That's the way I like it, and uh, nothing from me either. So it's a uh, uh, goodbye from me. Uh, goodbye from Tom. Bye. Goodbye from Filippo. Bye bye. Goodbye from Mister Polly. Ciao. And we'll uh, see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Bye from Mr. Polly. Ciao. And we'll uh, see you all next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that was an unexpected twist. <laughs> he's so talented. He's, he's been saving that for the whole thing. <laughs> when I... we end, I'm going to say it. I'm going to do Italian. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be a mercenary on Team Italy. I know. Do, you know. do you know, I think it's polite that if you go on holiday somewhere, you should learn how to order beer 
and say please and thank you and hello and goodbye yeah. in the native language. We speak English. No, that's fine. There's signs for that. Like, you don't need to talk to people oh, about okay. that stuff. But you know, <laughs> yeah. 